So I know you can be overwhelmed and you can be underwhelmed, mm-hmm. but can you ever just be whelmed? I think you can in Europe. Oh, hello. Welcome to the Carpenter Queens podcast, coming to you live from the employee bathroom at the TCQ video store, where you can pick up the best and worst in horror for only 69 cents a day. Welcome, fellow queerdos. Why, yes, I am that girl that never returned your favorite gel pen in the sixth grade, Nicholas. <laughs> Hi guys, I'm currently on the wait list for Olivia Rodrigo tickets. Raymond. <laughs> yes, you would be. Yes, you would be. <laughs> oh my gosh. Hello, everybody. I hope you're having a great time. Happy Pride. Yay. I have to say it like mm, every day. It's our month, bitch. I know. Every time I kiss John, every time like there's like post coitus anything, I'm like, oh, happy Pride. <laughs> you know, go. <laughs> <laughs> Can you never not be gay for five seconds? I'm just like, can you not be gay for five minutes? Last week's episode was hit it off with a lot of people. I'm not surprised by that. Every I think Jennifer's body used to be like a lot of people's like secret love movie. I'll and then keep like you my dirty little, little secret. secret. Dirty, dirty little, little secret. secret. I want to know. <laughs> You sound just like him. Oh my gosh, thank you. I've heard that quite before. <laughs> are you celebrating Pride? How are you guys celebrating Pride over there? I know y'all are Absolutely. big old fucking homos. I mean, have you seen the two of us? <laughs> um, we are most like most definitely celebrating Pride in our own way. There's no Pride here in LA this year. Mm-hmm. Um, rightfully so. I think it was too soon. Um, so but we do have plans to go to Palm Springs next month. And then, um, obviously you and I and Richard are going to have our own pride fest when you come to visit. In two I am weeks. so excited! Two weeks and the Queens are reunited. I, it has been way, 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 way too long. Way too long. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm so excited. I know. I'm so, so I'm so happy that you're visiting during pride. I, me too. It feels like momentous. It's like such a big occasion. Uh, John the other day totally clocked me because uh, we were watching Romy and Michelle's high school reunion, which, by the way, feels so odd because this year is my reunion. So it's come full circle for me because I used to watch that when I was like eighth grade, freshman year. And to me, I was like, oh my God, I'm never, I'm never going to, like, my brain wasn't cognizant that you're going to get there. And now that I'm here, I'm like, oh. God, I am and you can Michelle. relate so hard. Yes! You relate so hard. So hard. It's Same. so hard. Did you go to your reunion? No. Well, we didn't. As far as I know, we didn't have one because mm-hmm. I found out because I was looking, not looking forward to it, but I was curious because I really mm-hmm. wanted to have my Romy Michelle moment. Unfortunately, I didn't get to have it. <laughs> um, but it, I, when it came time for it, I was curious as to how it worked. And apparently it's up to like, some committee that somebody has supposed to have been running from your class that you graduated to organize it. And I was like, bitch, I know nobody from my class cares enough to stick around and organize this shit. So as far as I know, we didn't have one. Uh, It it sucks because I, as you know, I went to school in Germany. I finished Mm -hmm. out over there due to military base. And so it's kind of weird. There was a Facebook group going around of like if we want to do this where could we all meet and that's what makes it really fucking hard especially since now my school no longer exists it got tore down with the rest of the base 
Oh, shit. Yeah, it doesn't exist, which really sucks because I have a frequent fear that I have, I've had multiple nightmares that I wake up one day and someone's like, your high school diploma doesn't count. You're going to have to go to school all over again. <laughs> like, it is the worst. I have so many irrational fears and that one is like the one that consistently Shut pops up. up. Isn't it stupid? Yeah, you've never told me. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not judging. We all have irrational fears, but I've never heard that before. That's kind of hilarious. That's pretty hilarious. But- talking about Romeo and Michelle we were watching it the other day and John's like when you meet up with Jackie I know for a fact you guys are gonna do the watch out Tucson here we come (laughs) absolutely that's gonna happen are you fucking stoked to talk about this homo ass movie oh my god I so really quickly I hadn't seen this movie in in a very long time like years years Mm -hmm. So when I had to rewatch it for this episode, it was like rewatching it all over again, like watching it. For, sorry, excuse me, rewatching uh, it for the first time. So, yes, it, it brought back a lot of memories of me feeling things in that movie theater. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get the extra large popcorn bucket. Oh, my God. I got to hide my little boy. <laughs> Before we begin, we are going to go with our Slice News update. Uh, Hello. I love that the Slice gets more aggressive with every episode. The Slice. (laughs) Fuck off. Let me introduce the way I want to. It's my podcast. Uh, First up to bat is The Conjuring 3. The Devil Made Me Do It. It literally drops today. We normally record on Fridays. So by the time this episode drops, everyone hopefully will have seen it. I know. I know I'm either going to watch it tonight or tomorrow night, like without a doubt. I'm so excited. I'm so <laughs> fucking so... excited. If everyone I... can see you right now, you look like a little kid on Christmas. I love The Conjuring. I love The Conjuring. They're the... It's like I've said before, it's the very few contemporary horror movies that genuinely scare me. Like when mm. I go into that movie theater, I'm I'm already anxiety ridden. <laughs> yeah, my hands are clammy. The fucking the goddamn trailers haven't even rolled yet and i'm already paranoid so i but i love it It, they're so So beautifully done and it's almost like a love letter to like classic horror what a beautiful way to put that i'm just i'm all on board for it and i can't i've been waiting years years for this new installment so i'm excited for years Do you have any expectations or like wants that you want to see? So many expectations. My expectations are very high when it comes to the series, Mm -hmm. knock on wood. But luckily for myself, like I fully trust James Wan and uh, Lee Wano. Like they they never they always deliver. They almost never let me down. You know this one's not directed by by James. Right, right. right. But they're producers still, and for the most part, like creative directors, writers. I Mm want to say. Yeah, they still have their hand on a lot of it. Mm-hmm. So I know they won't let me down for sure. And what I've seen from the trailer, bitch, like look at the material. Look at <laughs> honestly, uh, this iteration is going to be directed by Michael Chavez, and it looks like their past stuff has been the Curse of La Llorona, which uh, mm. makes me a little hesitant. But he also did direct Billie Eilish's "Bury a Friend" music video, and that music video is. F- flipping slick is a very good music video and i've seen a lot of directors go from music videos to horror movies very well yeah but had you watched the billy Eilish documentary you would have seen that that was the one and only project he did with her because she hated working with him oh shit i did <laughs> so not she know that like 
literally on the documentary she goes i'm directing my own music videos from now on and she literally did she's directed every music video from there on out well i retract my apologies <laughs> it could but it, it could also be uh creative differences mm-hmm. also it didn't look like they were working too well together so mm. it's not to say that he's not a creative person or doesn't isn't a great director they probably just didn't work well together and and it as happens. an artist they both want to do their own things and billy mm. eilish is very a creative person i feel like she kind of has her hand obviously she has her hands on everything she does Mm-hmm. So it was only natural that she wanted to direct her own music videos. I mean, it makes complete sense. So it'll be interesting to see his version, his vision of The Conjuring 3, because my expectations <laughs> is that I just need to see Zaddy Patrick doing his <laughs> fucking thing. I need to see his yes. ass in tight pants. It's the sev- We're doing this movie in the 70s. So I need to see tight pants and the best looking collars on Vera. And I'm happy. And I'm happy yeah, after like- that. Uh, late 70s going into the 80s I believe um, mm-hmm. this round and I'm so excited so excited it's gonna be so good premiere dates for both American Horror Story double feature and American Horror Stories have been announced first up American Horror Stories will be premiered exclusively on FX on Hulu July 15th this will be a spin-off series with one hour standalone episodes and they will feature AHS stars we all know and love while also introducing new actors some of the cast announced for this new set of horror are Kevin McHale from Glee, Charles Melton from Riverdale, Dylan Burnside from Pose, and Prom's Nico Breatham. Ryan just loves working with people that he's like done mm-hmm. a shit ton of other projects for. I'm kind of excited for Kevin McHale. I only know him as Artie from Glee, so it'll be really yeah. interesting to see him <laughs> in this. I'm I'm excited. I'm like I said, I'm a American Horror Story slash Ryan Murphy fanboy. So you mean slut? We're Ryan Murphy sluts for sure. I I will at least watch the first episode. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. I will always give it a chance. I'm not always a fan of everything he does. Mm -hmm. Or where it turns out, R.I.P. Scream Queens. Dearly beloved, we're gathered here today because a backstabbing little bitch got exactly what was coming to her. We also have reported by Deadline, apparently Danny Trejo is also rumored to appear. And I love Danny. I love him and everything he does. It's just mm-hmm. him playing himself and everything. But he's a Valley <laughs> star. We both, what, he, I think he went to the same high school as my parents, right? Same high school you and went to. And me, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's a, a local star here in the Valley. Uh, and he's the nicest guy ever. Mm-hmm. Goes to all the community events, so... But yeah, I love to see his cameos in movies. Always. A- anytime he's on, I'm like, fuck yeah, I'm going to enjoy this. Not to mention his own movies. Uh, Machete? Machete. We're probably going to have to cover that at some point. Oh, I would love to cover Machete. And then with season 10 double feature, it looks like it's set for August 25th. And I believe that's also going to be set on FX as well. And we've already stated how we feel about double feature. I'm ecstatic just that we're getting another American Horror Story because I missed it Mm. last year. Like for me, it's like the start of like the Halloween season. I know, I know, but... it's Hopefully it'll come back with a bang. I hope so. If anything, I'm just happy that we got something. Exactly. So listeners, this week we are taking a cool dip into the waters of the homoerotic warlock wire fighting world of the Covenant from 2006. Directed by Rennie Harlan and written by J.S. Cordon.
right here. Who are they? Don't know much about them, but I intend to find out. Sir, this is Caleb Danvers. <laughs> they are the descendants of a secret legacy. Come on, Caleb. It's not like it's gonna kill us. Yeah. Granted a world of untold power. Look at that. But their darkest secret. What's that? Caleb's family history. Before me, I'd be careful. Was never meant to be shared. What is this covenant? Tell me the truth. Imagine having the ability to do anything you want. But the more you use the power, the more it weakens you. Now. A member of the fifth family has returned. Have you met Chase? Hey, man. Hey. He just transferred in. To seek revenge. You can't beat me. So you got And destroy their covenant. Something's wrong. I can feel it. I'm scared. Don't be. I'm here to protect you. Somebody there? Hello? It really is homoerotic. It's so <laughs> fucking gay. Before we talk about this, this movie, uh, this horned up homoerotic fest of a movie is only available for streaming on Stars, uh, and I find it so funny that Stars would have it because I always associate like a lot of homoerotic stuff with Stars. So of course they're gonna have this shit. <laughs> uh, but besides that, you're gonna have to rent or buy this one. And I am unabashedly unashamed that I own this movie. Like I have this one on DVD. Us too. No, we own it on Blu-ray. <laughs> oh, do you really? Yeah, it's on Blu-ray. Oh, go, oh, man, go fuck yourself. I feel like now I need to go upgrade my copy. Yeah, you should. See those bulges in Blu-ray. Ooh, full HD, please. <laughs> oh, but uh, moving on to 420, what you smoking? What did you pair with this week's screening? So many edibles. So many edibles this time around. Because edibles get me, you know that feeling. It's behind your eyes, and all of a sudden you're super focused on whatever you're watching. And mm-hmm. I'm not paying, okay, you know what? I'm just going to lay it on the table. I'm not here for a story. I'm not here for acting. I'm here no. to watch hot guys swim and mm-hmm. do magic stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is all I'm here for. So I need to be hyper-focused and like stoned out of my gourd in order to do so. I had gummies. Pull out your wand, daddy warlock. <laughs> <laughs> that me, zaddy, please. Uh, excuse me, you said I had edible gummies? Yum. It's so funny that you had edibles because I had edibles too. We finally got around to picking it from our local pickup, Sweet D, and she made the most amazing, amazing chocolate cake for their one year anniversary. Mm-hmm. It was chocolate cake infused with uh, THC infused coconut oil, I believe, and mm-hmm. coconut milk. And then she laid in fresh strawberries and buttercream oh. frosting. It was, mm. it was so easy to eat. I was like watching the movie and I'm like eating it. And I didn't mean to eat the whole thing. And <laughs> I had. So <laughs> those are the most dangerous edibles. Honestly. But moving on to our, I'm, I've been so stoked to talk about this movie. You have no idea. Do you remember when this movie came out? Where were you when you watched this movie? So it was 2006. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I went to go see this I don't, who did I go see this with? I don't even, but I, if I'm not mistaken, I went to go see it in the plaza of my old store in that movie theater there. Do you remember? Mm-hmm. And I went to go see the movie there. And I just remember being in awe of <laughs> these hot witchy <laughs> men that were on the screen. <laughs> and then they, it was like so homoerotic and mm-hmm. they were in Speedos and they were mm-hmm. wet. 
And then they were like pushing on each other and fighting, and there was all this testosterone <laughs> pumping. Should it I was... leave? Like, I... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, give me a minute, give me a minute, give me a minute. <laughs> all I remember are these animalistic feelings. Listen, I was yes. only like 18 at the time, okay? And there was a lot of things going on. For real, though, for real, though. So <clears throat> it's time, it, it's, it's story time now. This came out in 2006. This was my first PG-13 movie. This was the first movie I got to go see like by myself without my parents. And of course, this is the fucking movie I pick. But what makes the journey so fantastic and riddled, and I'm going to bleep this person's name because I feel so bad. It was a date with my then girlfriend because I was still in the closet. (laughs) So we went on our like one of our first dates to go watch this movie. And I remember so distinctly her wanting to make out (laughs) and me just like detracting. But because of this fucking movie, when I came out, I was like, oh, I definitely like boys. I like boys. I want that. that. And I still feel so bad because this, because we still dated, I think maybe for like a month after. And then I came out as like, bye. For another month. I still liked her. I still had feelings for her, but like then I realized it was like, oh, but, but you boys. didn't want to bump uglies. <laughs> <laughs> You're awful. No, I didn't, and I apologize <laughs> to this poor girl because I was still trying to figure out my shit. But because of this movie and all these bulges popping up, but hope I wish it could have been in 3D. Like, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I realized that oh, I'm a queer, and that's fine. Wait, you, you were how old when this came out? 13. I was 13. This was oh, my Jesus. first PG-13 movie. I'm old. I beg your pardon. Released September 8th, 2006. This film now sits at its 15th anniversary this year, which makes wow. me feel disgusting. With a runtime of one hour and 37 minutes, we only have one tagline. We the power of hell to help them. It's not even a good tagline. It doesn't even make sense to the movie. Like, what does that have to do? It does. It has nothing to do with the movie. Yeah, they 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 mention hell, but it's not like they conjure up some power. Demon power. Yeah. I have a lot to say about the the quote unquote magic in this movie and just the direction of this movie. You mean the airbending? Yeah. That- <laughs> John clocked that too. I was like, wait, they're going to firebend real soon. For our movie, we was directed by Rennie Harlan, director of Nightmare on Elm Street 4, The Dream Master, which was the highest grossing nightmare film at the time until it was dethroned by Freddy vs. Jason in 2003. But he's also known for Deep Blue Sea classic. We both adore Deep Blue Sea. Cliffhanger was Sylvester Stallone. Die Hard 2, and the most interesting on his lineup for me is Cutthroat Island from 1995. At one point, the film was dubbed by Guinness World Records for being the biggest box office bomb in history. It lost, once it's adjusted for inflation, $147 million. It was so bad and pummeled so fast, it closed the production company of Carlo Co. Pictures. Jesus. Rennie has quite the filmography. He's very interesting. When I was looking at it, it was either like hit like Cliffhanger and hit like Die Hard 2 or trash and everybody hates it. It was, it's very highs and lows. (laughs) (laughs) It's so interesting. Peaks and valleys. Peaks and valleys, darling. And did you watch the behind the scenes on this movie? 
no, this um, my copy doesn't have anything. When I went to special features, it said commentary and a preview. Oh, that sucks. There's like yeah. one 18 minute short like featurette film about the behind the scenes on this. And I, the sh I'm going to bring it up as we go along because the shit that came out of his mouth, like at one point he's like, yes, uh, we're doing the camera to show the audience that this is how you walked on a hallway. This is how you wake up scared from a nightmare. And we're holding their hands and really taking them on this adventure. I'm like, who blew smoke up your ass so far? It, he blew smoke up his own ass, it sounds honestly. like. Honestly. Uh, mm -hmm. Written by J.S. Cordone, he wrote a few other early 2000s slashers, The Stepfather in 2009, and the horrible Prom Night remake in 2008. I have to say The Stepfather is also very homoerotic. The I original or like this one? This, this remake, the 2009 one, because that's the one with Penn Padgley. Mm. And then that also <laughs> hot daddy, I don't know what his name from is. From Nip Tuck? Yes, he is one of the doctors from Nip Tuck. Yeah, I would sleep so. with almost everybody on the cast of Nip Tuck. Once again, we're talking about Ryan Murphy. Moving on to our cast. Stephen Strait as Caleb Danvers, uh, also known as Sky High Hottie. He was in the shitty movie Sky High. I love Sky High. How dare you? And yeah, Isn't he that plays... that movie with the high school for superheroes or some shit? Yeah, he, and he plays like the quote unquote bad guy, but he's a superhero and he does fire and shit and he has long hair in that movie. Never seen it. You need to get it together, is all I'm going to say. You didn't watch Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen last time. Moving <laughs> on. Uh, Laura Ramsey as Sarah Wenman, Wenham. Uh, Sebastian Stan as Chase Collins. Pre-Marvel Days as Captain America's lover, Bucky Barnes. Taylor Kitsch as Pogue Perry. Chase Crawford as Pogue Perry. I know Pogue is I the worst fucking... And he's so hot. Like, I couldn't scream Pogue in Climax. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Pogue, come pork me with your sword. Oh, God, you're so gross. I hope Grandma doesn't listen to this episode. She doesn't listen to our show. Chase Crawford. <laughs> Chase Crawford is Tyler Sims, and this would be his first feature film. Who's Chase Crawford? Uh, what did he say? Okay, so this is for all my Gossip Girl stands out there. Chase Crawford. Uh, Gossip Girl hottie. He was also like big in the early 2000s. I had a big old crush on him and whatever. I guess that was for me. Whatever. Moving on. You know you love me. XOXO. Gossip Girl. <laughs> Toby Hemingway as Reed Garwin. Jessica Lucas as Kate Tooney. Kyle Schmidt as Aaron Abbott. And Wendy Krusen as Evelyn Danvers. I couldn't tell you any of these fucking characters. I don't I know. I couldn't tell you shit. Do you know how many times I had to keep going back when writing like the film notes for this shit? Cause I couldn't decipher anyone mm -hmm. from anything. I I couldn't either. So I'm, I'm warning you and the audience right now, as per usual, I don't know anybody's fucking character names. Honestly, it's gonna be hottie number one, hottie number two, <laughs> hottie number three. <laughs> it is. Cause first of all, they're all white. Uh, so Call it out. And so they're all male, so so it's gonna be really. This episode's gonna be difficult, bitch. What's so funny is that Rennie fucking talks about that in the featurette, and he's like, "We chose very deliberately no one that was a major star, and we wanted everyone that looked vastly different because it was a it's a ensemble piece, so the audience needed to distinguish all of them." I was like, 
Girl, I couldn't tell you anybody's names. I just know them as the guy with black hair, guy with the long brown hair, blondie twink number three. And then- Thank you! <laughs> That's exactly Clever. how I told them apart. It was like, oh, there's the blondie. There's the hot <laughs> one that I like, who's Caleb. He's the only one whose name oh, I know. He's so uh, There's the big beefy one with the long hair. There's the curly haired one. And there's the one with the dark hair. Pretty fucking much. But these characters are so thinly drawn that you could not distinguish them as characters, period. No. They're just mm -mm. saying lines. <laughs> words. Words are coming out of the mouth. They're saying the words that were written down on the page. Delusion. <laughs> Convince yourself. Moving on to reviews. Uh, IMDb gave it a 5.3 out of 10. Metacritic gave it a 19 out of 100. AV Club, which I have a bone to pick. They gave this movie a D+. They gave Jennifer's Body, which we reviewed last week, a D plus. And those are vastly different movies. The reason. Why was the reason? So what I am calling you out, but she did call the film, quote, a high school warlock power struggle, as well as the flick being a quote, not as entertaining as an episode of Charmed. Woo! I shade. know the shade <laughs> of it all. Because, girl, this movie feels like a CW pilot that never made it. I can't, I mean, I can somewhat understand why they gave Jennifer's body the grade they did because they went in expecting one thing and were given something different. Okay. This, however, you should have known what you were getting yourself into, sis. This movie is trying so hard to, like, build up testosterone. It's trying so hard to be, like, straight-edge, like, hetero male that it loops back around and it's just so <laughs> Yeah! <laughs> exactly what happened <laughs> for our, the rest of our reviews we have rotten tomatoes of a four percent tomato meter score as, but a 62 percent of an audience score and i know mm -hmm. it's because it's a bunch of queers hyping this movie up but i did also of course i have to show the math on this it's because the tomato i can never say that the tomato meter the tomato tomato <laughs> <laughs> I just call it Tomater. The Tomater score was done out of 75, while the audience score was done of 250,000 plus reviews. So of course it's going to be outweighed and it's not going to look correct, but it's just, yeah. it's baffling to me. Well, hello. We both went and saw this theater probably And we own day. it. So, so I can't fucking say anything. Of course we affected the audience score. <laughs> Moving on to box office. So a gross income in the US and Canada banked in at 23 million and with a worldwide gross of 37 million. The budget was an estimated 20,000. So technically this was kind of a no, hit. No, 20 million, isn't that? 20 million, yeah, sorry. Whoop, 20 million, I can count. So the budget was 20 million. So technically it was kind of a hit. It made back its money and it was popular in theaters. Worldwide, yeah, definitely grossed out a lot more worldwide, surprisingly enough. And I, everyone's here for hotties. Like, we're just here for hotties. Come that's, on now. Yeah, that's what we came for. Hello, look at the trailer. Not a joke, just a fact. We're going to move on to our production. And admittedly, it was extremely difficult to find anything on this production. This film was such a blimp in the early 2000s machine of, like, hot teen horror thriller productions that were churned out mm -hmm. at this time. Because we also, this was during the remake craze. This was, mm -hmm. like, anything hot and dark and fill filmed with like a lens of like blue gray scale <laughs> they were turning this shit out yeah this i can see how it got lost in the sauce as we like to say mm -hmm. but of course queers like us gravitated towards it automatically so there's an audience for it 
you'll stop traffic. <laughs> With an estimated budget of 20 million, filming took place in the fall of 2005 in and around Montreal, Canada. Outdoor shots of Spencer Academy were made at Bishop's University in Sherbrooke, Quebec. The opening scene was meant to take place in the late summer of New England, but instead took place at the end of October. Hundreds of extras, cast, and crew had to endure intense cold during the shoot. And bitch, it looked it. No, ma'am. That it looks miserable. But I didn't know that it was supposed to take place. I couldn't tell you anything that's happening in this movie because the timeline is not explained. I didn't know that this was supposed to take place like before the school started in late summer until someone explained it to me in the extra features. Oh, yeah. I, I had no idea what was going on. Mm -mm. literally like don't go into this movie looking for some sort of like a clear storyline <laughs> or, or any mention of time and space <laughs> they just exist or a plot of there's just a bunch of exposition i have okay, you know what we're gonna move on because i have a lot to say the cast and crew not only had to deal with freezing temperatures but also a tremendous amount of rainfall which i thought was all fake I'm, like it would rain so much that they would have to work in knee deep in mud attempting at moving dollies through harsh work condition and it would consistently force the team to rework or pause filming jesus that i thought it was horrible. fake too i thought it was fake there's uh, so much rain in this movie it's like why so much fucking rain in this movie <laughs> why is it so wet where they live everybody is so wet in this movie oh, you wet <laughs> The core cast of actors trained months before filming. They would train in both swimming, but also learn the wire work required of the film. A Cirque du Soleil computer system was used for intricate fighting. A pattern or path is imputed into the computer programming, allowing the same movement every time for the actor to work with. The system could launch an actor at 17 feet per second. Sebastian Stan is to have reportedly done all his own stunts, who stated he was very scared of heights before filming. There was a lot of stunts and There's wire work. There's so much and, wire work in this movie. Yeah, there was a lot. So I'm glad that they got like professionals. So the wire work, and it mainly happens at like the end of the movie. It mm -hmm. looked ridiculous, but I can also recognize that I'm sure that sh fucking took a lot of work out of you guys. Because oh, yeah. it does look like a majority of the time it is them floating around up in space. So I got to give them credit, but it's so cheesy. It's so yeah. cheesy. I was watching it too, and I was like, oh, so that's how we're going to depict powers <laughs> and witchcraft. That's a choice. I know. Well, okay. So there are over 485 visual special effects used in the film, meaning that one in five shots were visual effects, which... What? These, okay, you know what? These visual effects just did not age well. They did oh. not age well at all. <laughs> okay. Like most films from this time, yeah, the, the special oh, effects did not age well whatsoever. Well, because this was like at the height of like everyone be having access to like computer special effects. So everyone was trying to use it and you, it's just. Hey, I, I'm at least thankful that they did like all that stunt and wire work and camera mm -hmm. rather than doing that on the green, on a green screen. screen. Yeah, because that, that would really have turned me off on the whole film. And I don't even think the like homoeroticness of it would have even helped save it. You are not lying. So are you ready to talk about all of this fucking bullshit? This sexy Hell wet yeah. bullshit? <laughs> Hell yeah, let's see all Hell the bulges. Yeah. Let's see all the bulges after our commercial. Oh yeah. Welcome back to I Was a Teenage Queer. We are going to be talking about the f movie. Are you ready? I'm ready. 
We open with a text. Yay reading. <sighs> so. No one really knows how the power came to be. Not even the Book of Damnation recorded its beginning, but those who mastered it have always been hunted. In the middle of the 17th century, many escaped the brutal witch hunting in England and France by coming to America. As the brutal persecution of those with the power spread throughout Massachusetts, the family of Ipswich formed a covenant of silence, and for 300 years, it has kept them safe. Until now. And then the loudest fucking music, like early 2000s rock plays. Uh, we then quickly go to a montage of supercuts. Words like banished and Salem and witch are intercut with text and dark mm -hmm. imagery. A generic early 2000s rock song plays as they showcase the opening credits. It's like a Chris Angel deleted opening sequence for his new <laughs> Las Vegas show. Are you ready? You're so fucking stupid. But yeah, it is very reminiscent of that. I actually kind of like it. I don't mind it. it, it um... It's so cheesy. It is cheesy. Hello, it's the movie called The Covenant, and it's homoerotic. When we, when we first started watching it, I thought it was going to be like the craft, but with men. And then I quickly kind realized to be. I, I want I wanted it to be. And then I quickly <laughs> realized it wasn't. And I, oh. um, but that quick little like those cuts and all that in these opening credits remind me of that quick little cut in the craft um, right after the opening scene and right before the title card. Um, it does the same thing where it's, where it's like images of like witchcraft and books of the dead or whatever you want to call Which it. Is like and that's what Charmed. it reminds me of. This is the opening of Charm just without the Smiths playing. I am human <laughs> and I need to belong. To belong. Uh, never seen Charmed. But <gasps> I'm a huge Charmed fan. I know. So is Richard. Moving on. From here, we are introduced to the sons of Ipswich. Caleb, Pogue, Tyler, and Reed are the four sons from a long line of warlocks. The Lost Boys wannabes watch over a beach party from a high cliff. They show off their powers with blackout lenses and leap to the party below. Come on, Caleb. It's not like it's going to kill us. Yeah. yeah. I fucking hate that line. <laughs> it is so <laughs> awful. There are so many terrible lines in this movie. Mm -hmm. So I have a problem with his opening because this movie from the jump expects you to just know everything. Yeah, they give you the exposition and then there's huge exposition dumps later. They're not even dialogue. It's just like, here's a plot point, which makes me so mad. <laughs> yeah. But I like this introduction to our four like lead characters, even though they're not leads, it's all about Caleb. I don't think I would not consider this like a, what's that? An ensemble cast. Yeah, I would not consider this an ensemble piece. This is all about no. Caleb. And I Absolutely. don't mind. Holy I don't mind shit. either. Caleb is the pretty one of the group and he almost gives me uh, Taylor Lautner vibes for some reason. I don't know oh, what it yeah. is about his face. I think it's like the eyebrows. He does like this like brooding look that thing. He does it throughout the whole movie where he's just like, <laughs> no, yeah. What's so funny is that this movie feels like such a Twilight type of movie, and Twilight mm -hmm. didn't come out until 2008. So, mm -hmm. like, to see all this influence, but you totally know that they're trying to reference Lost Boys. This feels yeah. like, look, 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 this is like Lost Boys, but new. And I don't mind it if they wanted to kind of redo it, but this is kind of the only part that I like with the boys' interaction. Past that, they're kind of always fighting and insufferable. <laughs> Agreed. And they're <laughs> kind of one-dimensional, so there's not much to get into. There. It literally follows Caleb, leader, brooding, because his dad's kind of not there. Pogue is Caleb's best friend and has a girlfriend. Tyler's there, reads the twink, 
and he's he's a he's a boss bottom and that's it that's literally their descriptions <laughs> that is literally all it, of their descriptions that's what it said in the casting uh call <laughs> bossy bottom <laughs> oh my god time and place we are also introduced to the new girl sarah transferring from public school from boston and her roommate kate also new student chase while also meeting mean girl Kira and her jock asshole boyfriend Aaron, the rave party commences as the boys arrive. Kira interrupts as the group introduces themselves. A small confrontation forms because why? Aaron almost fights with the group until Chase cuts in and suddenly Reed causes one of Aaron's friends to vomit, breaking the tension. It's a lot. It is, and none of so I wrote that plot point like that because that is literally how the movie kind of dumps it. They all meet each other and then all of a sudden Kira comes over and she's like, hi, Caleb. And then there's maybe a fight and then Aaron comes in and he's just angry because that's his character. And then all of a sudden Chase comes in and you're like, who's this guy? And then all of a sudden Reed's eyes go black and then this guy literally vomits all over someone and then that breaks it. I hate this script because it's... It's literally, it's like someone took pieces of other fantasy, cool, hip, new things and just took pieces and chunks and shoved it in this movie and put hot guys in it. And then that's it. <laughs> I think you hit the nail on the head there. <laughs> like, it really, there's no substance to this movie whatsoever. Mm-mm, it, it, this mm-mm. is clearly just a, like, it's a cash almost, grab. It's a cash grab with hot guys thrown in it. That's it. Don't look for any substance here, Yox. You ain't gonna find it. Well, here's the tea. What I wish it would do is lean more into like, this is a Hawkeye fantasy movie because it's trying so hard because it thinks that it's being new and cool and hip that it just gets lost and it's stupid. Oh, but you wanna really fight. As the police arrive to break up the party, the four main group characters make chase with the police into the forest. They use their powers to evade the police and drive over a cliff. And once they reappear, they lose the police making a getaway. I actually don't mind this action sequence and I wish we had more of this because this is probably my own favorite like action part because everything else just kind of dull yeah like this is like uh their first like showing of their supernatural powers i guess i do however have a big bone to pick with the line harry potter can kiss my ass as they drive (laughs) off the cliff i (laughs) i literally wrote it down my notes i thought it was so fucking cheesy i was like really terribly fucking cheesy this movie wants to do. This movie wants to be like Warlock, Fast and the Furious, with like one-liners and shit. <laughs> Warlock, Fast and the Furious. <sighs> but after they escape, Caleb arrives home to his drunk mother, who that's literally her only character arc is that she's her mm-hmm. drunk, aggressive mom, who does an exposition dump for our story. She explains. The group are descendants of a colonial witch family with magical capabilities. So great, white people with money and power. What else is new? Oh, wow. Their power manifests on their 13th birthday and grow stronger until they ascend at 18. Ascending increases their power significantly, but also ties to their life force. The more they use their magic, the more addictive, which leads to premature aging and death. Caleb's dad succumbed to his power, leaving his mama drunk and depressed. <sighs> That's literally all this scene is for. And I, it's, I don't like this movie just because it does the... Um, they throw words around a lot that they think are mm-hmm. super cool and that we're supposed to know. Like the ascending, the power, uh-huh. a darkling. <laughs> like what? Oh my God, the darkling, yeah. 
Also, his mom is totally like passing on generational trauma, telling him that he's just like his father mm-hmm. and comparing him and like everything he says to what his father said. And it's so fucked. Like, all she's just sitting here and saying, like, oh, you're just like your father. That's something your father would have said. That's what he said. But I was like, really? Like, this is what you're going to tell your 18, 18 year old son who's about to quote unquote ascend? Which is just like, we get it. You're symbolizing adulthood. It's just. <laughs> It's just trying so hard to hit you over the head with it that it's just none of nobody can sell this dialogue because there's no dialogue to sell because mm. it feels like it's punched by numbers like a mad lib of like superpower <laughs> ascend. It's like it's just ugh. we have to hit these quotas. Yes, of like we need this to be a fantasy film, so we have to hit these like key points, and that's all this movie feels like is like we're trying to hit key points. So that to me that's why like there's no tension to me this movie like nothing happens because there's no stakes there's no stakes at hand uh, soon after a student is found dead in his car near campus he's possessed his soul got sucked out it's never explained he's just like gray and has white eyes and that's <laughs> that's it yeah they don't explain they don't anything say anything about it which i guess we don't need an explanation because they never say anything about it Whatever, he's dead. Go off. He's literally also the only person who dies in this movie. Spoiler alert. He's the only one who dies. Later that night, Sarah, after being explained by Kate that there used to be five families of Ipswich and then they just like leave it. Later that night, she takes a shower in the like community bathroom showers, but she also has a bathroom in her room. So it (laughs) it doesn't make sense. Anyway, while she's taking a shower... Light goes out and a strange presence follows her until she runs into Reed, who checks the bathroom and leaves. The sequence is so boring and it lasts like 15 minutes. It was all for the TNA because I literally put in my notes, I did not sign up for seeing high school girls in see-through teddies because it was just a scene for these young little high school girls who were walking around in their underwear and mm-hmm. their little whatevers. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, and then on top of that, this girl's got tat. She's got tramp stamp and she got tattoo on her arm. And I was like, these are supposed to be high school girls. Uh, I think the fuck not, you trick ass bitch. It, they should have just set this in a college because it would make more sense in a college. It doesn't make yeah. sense that they have to be high schoolers. And it looks like a fucking college already. You know they filmed this at a college. It doesn't make sense to me. And also, like the like I said, there's no tension that builds to this because when she, <laughs> she just comes out of nowhere. Because it comes out of nowhere, and anytime we're supposed to get like a quote-unquote jump scare, there's no cues, nothing builds to it. It's just she's looking at a light bulb, she's walking down a hallway, there's some weird floaty thing behind her, she's airbending. Like none of it, like none of it gives off the sense that it's meant to be scary, even though there's dark lighting, dark music, and like dark angles, but nothing about it is is scary. scary. Yeah. And it doesn't make sense. It does nothing for the story. It doesn't propel the story in any way. Yeah. And we're, I guess we're supposed to believe Reed as like a red herring, but that also mm-hmm. just like doesn't, go, it doesn't go anywhere. So it's just dropped because later that night, because apparently Caleb wakes up at the same time she gets this interaction. So I, Caleb wakes up at 2 a.m. because he looks at his alarm. So you're telling me that she took a shower at 2 a.m. and all of this is happening at the same time? I don't know if it was supposed to have occurred at the same time. I thought it was just like cutting to Caleb and it was now 2 a.m. See, none of it's explained, but he wakes up at 2 a.m. And our first like real sense of like homoeroticism because he wakes up shirtless, sweaty so many times Mm -hmm. in this movie. And girl, Mm -hmm. I love to watch it. 
Let me lick I don't it. mind. I'm not mad at it. it. I would love to see Steven straight shirtless anytime he wants to. But you're not going to fool me that this is a 17 year old. <laughs> like this. Thank is, you. This is, I, these are college kids. I wrote it in my notes. I was like, these these are all men and women, clearly in their mid 20s to early 30s. And I said, come on, scary movie. Come on, CW. <laughs> The next morning, Caleb is on the phone with Pogue, who is uh, a mechanic, maybe, sort of. Quickly, yeah. a dark, <laughs> quickly, a darkling appears as a dead student in Caleb's car. He swerves into oncoming traffic and smashes into a semi-truck hauling logs of wood. His car smashes into pieces and is quickly rebuilt with magic, and he survives, which I... It doesn't make that, sense. It does. It didn't. It didn't make sense. That scene was kind of, like, really unbelievable, even for, I mean, like witchcraft warlock movie i think it's the coolest use of magic in the movie because i remember it being like the number one thing in the trailer was that sequence of him smashing into mm -hmm. the like pre-final destination two with the log track type shit i know but like it's not explained and then that darkling's there and that's all it that's all they say so like someone sent me a darkling oh no and then like that's it like what the like, fuck is a darkling <laughs> never explain what a darkling is the fuck is a darkling none of this makes sense but i once again he's just sweaty acting and girl i just want to sniff it that's it that's all i want to do <laughs> straighten the sniffer a little bit uh running errands caleb runs into sarah kate and chase they have like a interaction it's really nothing it just leads to chase and kate going to a movie together while sarah continues running errands with caleb of course, they show interest in each other, and Caleb states that his dad had passed. Sarah talks about how she got here through her scholarship, because that's also a thing. Like, the mean girl earlier said, like, how did you get into the school? Like, I get mm -hmm. it. This, this school's for rich people. But they arrive at a seemingly abandoned home, but it's actually Caleb's family's first colony home. So they definitely come from colonizers. Thanks, guys. Mm -hmm. <laughs> He's shot at by a guy named Gorman who's also never explained, and then he drops off medication for a mysterious figure that we're not shown until later. First of all, running errands for his mother. Come on, Norman Bates. Oh, I know. <laughs> He's such a good boy. Uh, and then the whole... the Gorman, he just says is a caretaker. And it, yeah, like you said, it's never explained like how this caretaker came to be, how he came into life, why he's living in this old abandoned home with the well, we I won't spoil it just yet, but why he's living in this abandoned home with this person. It just feels like plot points that they bring up that they think are cool, and then they give no like explanation, backstory, or give you a reason to care. I don't care about anybody. In, in this movie because no one is given a character besides their like main title in the script that was given at casting like that mm -hmm. <laughs> that is it but from here they go to a dive bar and nikki's where they can drink like they should have just made this a college like none of this makes sense why would high schoolers get a dive bar but they don't drink like they're all drinking sodas which i put in my notes because i was like I said they all hang out at a local bar where they drink Cokes and play foosball. I don't understand. I don't understand a lot of things about this movie and the choices that they made. But yeah, they head to some dive bar where the apparently the bartender's cool with underage kids hanging out in his bar and eating. Who eats cheeseburgers from a dive bar? Oh, a dive bar. Are you, trying, are you, bitch, are you trying to get sick? You want salmonella? Because that's how you're going to fucking get it. <laughs> The group meets here where Pogue becomes jealous of Chase for hanging out with Kate. And then we also get like 
the grossest form of toxic masculinity and harassment in this movie. Like, this is my biggest problem with this movie is this exact scene. When Pogue, Tyler, and Reed place a bet to see if they can look under a woman's skirt to see if she's wearing underwear. And then they use their magic to find out. And it's just, for me, it feels really out of place because up to this point, none of these guys have acted this nasty or gross or like mm -hmm. just along those lines and then the scene happens and then it's gone and it's only used to get a shot of like a very wonderful bum but like mm -hmm. it am i the only one that it like it just feels what no it definitely feels out of place and it's definitely gross i'll agree with you on that but i feel like at this point we've covered so many movies during this era where it's just riddled with toxic masculinity and these gross outdated you know, racist, xenophobic, transphobic, homophobic jokes. Unfortunately, like, it's just during that time period that it is a product of the thing time. to do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, but I won't carry more much longer on it. But Chase and Caleb played table football and discussed the group's closeness. At one point, Chase even says, wow, you guys are really tight. And I'm like, yeah, they are. Yeah, they are, girl. <laughs> <laughs> While they play, they also discuss the swim team and how Chase used to swim at his old school and his, like, the same category as Caleb's. Whatever. And then Chase, he seems, like, enamored with a group. Like, he really wants to... He just wants to get, like, rammed by all of them. And girl, I agree. Yeah. Like, get it, queen. <laughs> yes. And then at another point, Sarah and Kate play I Love Rock and Roll by Joan Jett on the jukebox and a dance sequence begins. But before no. the dance sequence begins, you can totally tell that a dude wrote this fucking script because the way that these two women talk, no woman has ever spoken like this before. It's what a guy thinks cool girls talk like. Like, it's, <laughs> it's awful. Because she says, that's just what girls do, you know? And those are the boys. There's, you know, the boys and their toys. And then she's like, you know what? Give me a quarter. I'll show you what girls do. And then she like, cool girl sexy dances to Joan Jett. Like, I hate the scene. But it's, <laughs> but it's not cool girl sexy dancing. It's awkward white girl dancing like that. Where she like keeps lifting her skirt for some reason. I'm just like, what are and, you doing? Uh, we had a hoe down bitch. <laughs> what the fuck? I, I thought she thought she was in Dirty Dancing 2 Havana Nights and she was like getting it like her fucking wife. Nobody watched that, Jackie. Nobody I would did. get that reference. I, if you do, please let me know. But like the <laughs> sequence is all like it's so forced and stupid. It's totally like I'm a cool girl. No, it's cringe worthy. I almost skipped through it. <laughs> I almost skipped through it. Honestly. I almost did too. <laughs> But it's just moving on from right? that horrible, horrible scene. Tyler and Reed play Aaron and his friend for money when a fight almost breaks out. Caleb confronts Reed as Reed shows excessive use of power and Caleb believes Reed's involved in the student's death. Caleb and Reed have a warlock fight and Reed loses and Reed states that he had nothing to do with it. This scene is warlock so fight. I didn't. How else do you describe this? It's literally like you see waves. Airbending. It's I would call it airbending. <laughs> <laughs> this scene is so funny because the twink gets all mad and he's like daddy's punishing me so he's uh, like he levitates a gallon and he's like you can't beat me and of course Caleb's like I don't need to ascend and they just keep throwing these stupid words around and uh, how do I describe this fight it looks like um, 
Scary Movie 2 when they do the Charlie's Angels, like, <laughs> and you know, where they just get like tossed around. It's kind yeah. of what this reminds me of. They really like tried to make this a spectacle because this is kind of like the first time where we see two warlocks fighting and they're actually using their powers against each other. So it's supposed to be like really cool and kick ass. And what you get is. Get! like community college production <laughs> community college of peter pan i fucking love it it's just it's so forced because like i feel like the powers that they use they could have done something different with the special effects but i feel like they went with this like weird safe clear like orb orb shit and it just doesn't work i don't like their use of magic the use in the magic of like since we're comparing it like a lot of people compare this to the craft they call this like the male craft but mm -hmm. I think the craft, you care more because I care more about those characters. They're far mm -hmm. more fleshed out and their use of magic is like based in realism. So when yeah. it's used, it's like fantastical and it's cool. This one is trying to like amp it to 11. And because everything is amped to 11, when the special effects are done, I don't feel any tension. Like it doesn't feel like a, ooh, ah type of moment. It just feels cheesy. That's because it looks cheesy and it, it is cheesy. cheesy. Later that night, Sarah is attacked by endless amounts of spiders, only to wake up from a dream. Pogue and Caleb both have wet dreams <laughs> to call each other about a dark league. You're so fucking stupid, I hate you. It wasn't a wet dream, y'all. They look like they both like they both look like they just woke up from the most intense wet dreams, sweaty, drenched, and they have to call each other to talk to each other about their experience. Rippling muscles. They're like, bro, uh... I just had the most intense dream. <laughs> Can you talk me down? <laughs> but uh, other than that, the spider scene, bitch. The spider scene. I have arachnophobia. I hate spiders. I hate any sort of insect for that matter. Mm -hmm. And that spider scene got me. It was ooh, horrendous. It's pretty good. I will say that this is probably the only time that the special effects are really well done because the spiders are all clearly fucking visual effects. But mm -hmm. I think that they're done not too bad. My favorite part, though, is when she, like, turns to Kate and Kate is just, like, her face is popping <laughs> with spiders. It's, it's popping oh, with spiders. It's so gnarly. But it, I, it's neat, and I really like that. But, like, that's all it is. It's a dream. And then we get more spider motifs later. <laughs> I don't care. A lot of spider motifs. This movie's mm -hmm. littered with spiders. Spiders and sweaty, bulging men. Mmm. And... So the next day at school, while discussing Stephen King, Caleb is called into the dean's office. I think that's what he is, probably. The, thank you. They don't call him the dean. They call him the provost or some shit. I don't know what that is. I don't know what that I, is. I'm oh, not, hold on. I'm not, I Googled I'm not it. in that tax bracket. Hold on. I Googled it. <laughs> so provost according to google noun in north america means a senior administrative officer in certain colleges and universities and then the second definition is the head of a chapter in a cathedral neither of those terms works for this movie they're supposed mm -hmm. to be in high school so he can't be a senior administrative officer in a college or university and they're not in a church so it can't be the head of a chapter in a cathedral was this a change? I feel like they probably set this in a college. And then in order to meet the PG-13 like rating that they're trying to sell it 
for, they switched it to high school because there's a Maybe. lot of this because the dive bar does not. I don't care how you're going to try to explain it to me. I know they all look 27. <laughs> I know that they're probably older, older than me right now, but you cannot sell me that these high schoolers are in a dive bar dirty dancing to Joan Jett. Okay. <laughs> It's it, this movie's all over the place. It clearly it they did not check their P's and Q's because we're no. just poking holes through this fucking Swiss cheese oh, of this script say that, that they again. got. Poke another. <laughs> Shut up, you fucking big. Anyway, so we go to the provost. That was the name? Yes, provost. So Caleb is called into the provost's office and he's confronted about the fight that occurred at Nikki's. The provost essentially wants Caleb to befriend Chase as Chase's family made a generous donation to the school. Ugh white people politics. It's disgusting. And it's, yeah. I hate the way he tells them. He was like, make sure he has a, a positive experience at the school, right? You understand like, me? And I was like, ew. When John and I were watching, I was like, oh, he's telling Caleb to f*** him. He's telling him to f*** him. And unfortunately, he didn't. Oh, I know. Anyway, moving on. We also get a really quick sequence of Sarah doing classic research about Caleb's ancestry. And that's it. Like, Next thing. In other words, she was just in the library with 10 books scattered on the table. And with a montage of different books passing by and pages. And literally her roommate comes up, what are you doing? Oh, just reading up on Caleb's ancestry. And then that's it. <laughs> Isn't that weird? Like, I would have been like, why are you, whatever, okay. Go <laughs> off public school. After this horrible research segment that we kind of didn't need at all, we get the scene that awakened a multiple of... <laughs> queers the reason honestly wow we're doing this scene this next two sequences are the most homoerotic deliciousness mm. of mm -hmm. this movie mm. do you taste that that's called queer baby mm. <laughs> so we get our infamous swim scene hot hot hottie alerts we do not care what's happening because we go from here because they talk about, I think they're talking about Chase or something, but we get all of our four main groups shirtless looking delicious. Holy crap. By the way, Taylor Kitsch, what is your workout schedule? Because you're, what are those called? Cum Jesus. gutters. Your cum gutters are ridiculous. <laughs> Ew. You're a pig. You're a fucking pig. <laughs> but yes, I like I said, I haven't seen this movie like in a really long time. But this is so the part I do realize. Remember. Oh, absolutely! Oh, hello, this is why I went to go see it. <laughs> I didn't realize we went from the shower scene straight into the pool scene. After I wasn't ready, I hadn't recovered from the I hadn't recovered from the locker room scene, and then we jumped right into the pool scene. And I was like, <gasps> "All right, let me uh, catch my breath really quick," because we got. A glimpse of everybody going to swim and Jesus Christ, Stephen Strait. Do you know how many times I rewatched him coming out of that pool on YouTube? Mm -hmm. Like a ridiculous mm -hmm. amount. Anyway, mm -hmm. so from here we go straight into the shower scene where towel whipping ass galore. <laughs> Originally, there was far more ass. We wanted more ass, but they were getting an R rating, so they added in digital fog to cover up all of the cakes up in this scene and you can tell it's really unfortunate that this is like digital fog and it's so unfortunate if girls have to give teen a we own it's called it's called equality i know i know and not only for the back i want to see the front i want to see balls and all oh my god i need to see wiener <laughs> 
from the shower scene, we get a heated exchange between Aaron and Chase. And Aaron has literally just been like provoking this whole time. Like Aaron's secretly mm-hmm. gay because Aaron and Chase fight in the locker room and we get a super homoerotic fight where we get a, what are you looking at fag? That thing between your legs, it's like a penis, only smaller. And then Aaron slams Chase against the locker and punches Chase straight across the face. And Chase's reaction to that punch is so hot. He gets like this smirk and he likes it. And then Chase defends himself and then essentially joins the group of four. Cause you're like, fuck yeah, you beat up Aaron. Not gonna lie, it was a pretty hot exchange. It's and a very that... hot exchange. <laughs> <laughs> and that that line was hilarious. I laughed so hard. Caleb seeing Chase defend himself was just like, yeah, man, you're cool. You know, you can come hang with me and my buds. Cool. Sure. I guess straight men are so weird. Straight men are so odd. And this is so fucking gay. This is why I think WWE is gay. I will say it and I will say it again. Mm-hmm. Y'all just want to see people rub up against each other. That's why wrestling is the gayest sport. And I am here for it. I said what I said. I'm and rugby. It. Oh, and rugby. Ugh, don't get me started on rugby players. We do not have the time for that. <laughs> But like this scene is just, it's trying so hard to be like masculine and like aggressive and like cool that it doesn't realize how queer this scene is. Cause this shit is like the queer kid getting beat up by their hot bully and still having like weird feelings for their bully afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's just like you said earlier where you were trying to be so masculine and whatever with this energy that you looped around so hard and came back straight back to gay so <laughs> you tried so hard to be like masculine and da, 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 that ended up just being really gay congratulations it's, y'all congratulations this is so gay and i love it after that scene i was like i need to go to swim meets more often (laughs) but Pogue and Kate have a fight literally right after and in the middle of their fight and then they're not talking to each other it doesn't make sense like we cut to it and then there's that and then Sarah and Caleb grow closer they make out in his car doesn't really matter honestly and then another darkling appears to him in another sweaty shirt scene we have so many sweaty shirt scenes I'm not mad at him but I think this is four and so many darkling sightings with no explanation or like conclusion like what does it mean what does it do it just wakes you up in the middle of the night or what and what really bothered me is that they were saying like oh somebody sent me a darkling sent me so somebody sending you this darkling what is this supposed to do is this a warning is this a what what is this it doesn't make any sense so the next day at swim meet swim practice swim something uh caleb and chase uh, compete (laughs) until chase uses his own powers to beat caleb caleb shocked hits his head against the pool and causes himself to black out and he's saved by chase and awakens so they obviously early in the movie chase said that he used to swim at his old school so they decided to you know be typical straight man i guess and who's you know have a pissing contest and they want to swim against each other and while they're swimming against each other um Caleb gets a glimpse of Chase's eyes and they do that blackout lens thing because he's obviously using his powers to win. He gets a little boost and when, he, when Caleb sees that, he's gagged, misses, he forgets to stop and smacks his little head on the pavement. Like, oh my God, he's homo like me. And then he like hits <laughs> his fucking head. <sighs> Fine, sure, that's your reveal. I don't mind it. It's, it's there. 
yeah, it's there. Because then they go straight to class and Chase is called into the provost's office and is confronted about evidence found with the dead student's belongings. Chase's student ID was found amongst the body, but because he's white and he's rich and he contributed money to the school, he's fine. Yeah. It's literally no, nothing, it. to, nothing to worry about here. We're not going to mention it. <laughs> We're not going to mention it. It's just between the two of us. <laughs> oh, but going really quick, going really quickly back to that reveal that uh, Chase is a, a warlock. It reminds me of um, Scooby-Doo, the first movie, when What's-Her-Face gets smacked When Mary head. Jane reveals herself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know why it reminded me of that. It's so good. That's a far better movie than this shit. Hell yeah. Pogue and Caleb break into the school to search for more information on Chase. There, they find out that his parents also died on his 18th birthday. At that same time, Sarah is informed that Kate was sent to the infirmary and then off to the ER to find to what appears to be an endless amount of spider bites. And Essentially, she goes she's into like a anaphylactic shock. Yeah, yeah anaphylactic shock. Ugh, that sounds like the worst. That sounds like the. I will have to give it that. That does give me like an invoke. Uh, that invokes like an immediate like reaction out of me. I'm like, oh no, please God. <laughs> <laughs> we get a floaty scene again. They break into the school. Like, there's no tension. Do you feel tension when all of this happens and these reveals are happening? No, not at all. Like, even when they're in the office and they're going through the files and the security guard comes up and almost finds them and they're, like, up floating in the air and the papers almost fall. And like Harry Potter 2 when fucking Hermione stops all those Cornish pixies. Like you said, they were just, like, taking cool parts from other movies. Like, oh, this worked there and this worked there. Let me use this. It just feels like a mishmash of like some hottie Frankenstein movie. Mm-hmm. Caleb and Pogue almost get, I hate that name. Jesus. Caleb Pogue, and Pogue. It's really. Almost, it's, it's whatever. I'm not going to go. Oh, they almost get caught, but float to safety and meet up with Reed and Tyler at their secret covenant hideout. Sure. Why not? It's very lost boys with more candles and blue lighting. So they then use their warlock book to recount that Chase is like the lost fifth family member. While discussing, Pogue learns about Kate and in a rage, leaves challenge Chase. Like this scene also just kind of felt like, look, we have a cool hideout spot. Even in the special features, I thought it was so fucking funny. The director was speaking to the whole cast and crew about what they're gonna be filming. And he's like, Caleb is gonna walk past this thing and then go to a seat i'm like you couldn't even tell us what the main set piece was you just thought it was a cool fireplace with a pentagram in the middle and that's why you put it there there was no rhyme or reason for anything he well i mean look at his background i mean yeah he did do some pretty good hits but he also came from a music video background so a lot of it is just visual so it is what it is i guess and at least i will give for this scene that at least they fleshed out that okay uh chase is the lost member of this clan that we thought died he's here to kill us or whatever the fuck they figured out let's go get this motherfucker exposition sure (laughs) while riding his motorcycle he attempts running over chase who easily flips him over with his magic and pogue is quickly hospitalized yeah he kind of fucks him up pretty quickly and easily but we get the worst Worst line from Sebastian Stan. I feel so bad for him that he had to deliver this line. His because at one point Pogue like does a standoff and he's like, You hurt Kate. And Chase does his uh I guess an evil monologue of Come to save little Miss Muffet, have we? Well you're too late. A spider came and sat beside her and frightened Miss Muffet away. Like what? Oh Actual 
shit. I, I don't know. I don't know. I bet they thought they were so clever. They thought they were the most cleverest little bitch in this place. Oh, you want to talk about reading? <laughs> Let's talk, about, talk reading. about reading. They really thought they were doing something with this line. And they really thought not. they were doing something with this line. <laughs> because the special effect that happens is cool. I actually really dig it when he flips him over. I don't think it's bad. The special effects have aged, yes. But I like the action of it. But this is just, y'all are reaching so hard. It does not. It isn't. Whatever. We're moving on. Sarah arrives home and lets Caleb into her dorm room. Suddenly, a different Caleb appears at the door and Chase reveals to have concealed himself as Caleb and quickly subdues Sarah and uses her as bait. Chase and Caleb have a quick little floaty battle. Chase reveals that he was unaware of his magical origin having been adopted. After locating his biological father, who by the time he found him was old and learned the price of ascension, by then it was too late and Chase was too addicted to the power. His biological father willed over his power to him, and now Chase wants to force the others to transfer their powers to him, stating, starting with Caleb. Because why? Who knows? Caleb, uh, excuse me, Caleb. <laughs> I just gave them a couple <laughs> names. Yeah, yes. I love it. Caleb. Caleb fight. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm really proud of myself for that one. <laughs> Chase threatens Caleb's family and friends, and he doesn't just succumb to his needs. We also get a super hot sexual confrontation and more homoeroticism as Chase kisses Caleb goodbye. Where do I begin? Where do I begin? So we get that fake out of Chase being Caleb. I thought that was neat. I wanted more magic mm -hmm. stuff like that. But every mm -hmm. time we get magic stuff like that, it's done for a second and then it's gone. And, and then, then we go back to airbending. Yeah, and then we go back to airbending. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then Chase puts like a spider ugh, in Oh yeah. In her ear. The, in her ear, and that's what like does the spell. I thought that was really cool. That was mm -hmm. really effective. And then we get another floaty battle where they just like push each other all over the room and nobody lives in this fucking college because nobody hears any of this. <laughs> <laughs> I know. No, I would bitch. I would have came knocking the door as soon as I heard somebody slam a door. Some people are like, sleeping. Hello. Hello. I need to sleep in here. I'm watching Mr. Belvedere. I'm watching Mr. <laughs> Belvedere. It's just so, a lot. And then we yeah. get more expedi exposition because that's all this is. is Because there's no threat. Because in order for Chase to get his powers, he has Caleb has to will it over. So he can't kill Caleb. So like there's there's no there's no risk involved. It's just a chance there's for us. There's no to danger. See, it's just a chance for us to see Caleb rub up against each other and rub the chub hey, ups against each other. And I'm not mad at a Caleb chub. <laughs> also, I clocked so hard. So after their whole little battle or whatever, and uh, oh, Caleb. Oh whatever. And Caleb goes back to what's her fate? What's her name? The Sarah. When he goes girl. back to Sarah, uh -huh. when he goes back to Sarah, he walks by her mirror, which she's not supposed to have because they have a communal bathroom in their building, but whatever. He walks by her bathroom and her bathroom is all set up nicely still. Remember he got smashed into the mirror during that fight scene when he well, passed by it, like, again. Doesn't it? But they didn't show that. They didn't They didn't oh. show any of that. Oh, I don't give a fuck. I'm over here trying to defend this movie. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> it's <sighs> because immediately Sarah, the spell is gone. And Caleb is just meant to be like, okay, so it looks like I'm going after Chase. Like, there's no tension. I just, just make out. I'd rather see you make out. I'd rather see you make mm, out. I mean, who wouldn't? 
I know. But Caleb then explains to Sarah what's been happening, and then he shows her his father. The mysterious figure from before, who now is a weathered old wrinkled shell of a man, is revealed to be only 44 years old. So we get all of that, and then Sarah suggests that the others will their powers over, but Caleb states that it would be the same as death and refuses for that to happen. This revealed, I don't care. Like, it's not a reveal. It is not a reveal. No, I mean, no, it's not a reveal because I kind of gathered that information already, like him going there. Like, why else would he be going there? Who else could be there? It's going to be his father, of course. They also don't like leave anything on it because literally they're like, this is my father. And we get glimpses of his like dad on close up. We get Sarah who doesn't say anything. And then we cut to them somewhere else. Uh-huh. So like, it doesn't <laughs> matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So, on the night of Caleb's 18th birthday, he leaves. Reed and Tyler take Sarah to the dance and protect her. However, Chase easily, oh so easily, captures her and takes her to the old barn for the final showdown. I, it's so stupid. It's so stupid because she goes over to Caleb's house, she puts on this dress, and he's like, yeah, take her to the dance, that's where she'll be most safe. Um, Chase isn't going to try anything in public. And then they're literally like calling Caleb while they're at the dance. And he's like, oh, how's Sarah? And they turn around and she's gone. That's so upsetting. Like I said, there's no tension. There's nothing. You're just like, whatever. I just, my, I hate this because we mentioned it in Jennifer's Body where those characters are characters and the female characters are there. These female characters are literally just accessories to a story and that's it. They have no basis. They have no flesh to them. They have nothing. They are literally there to be used as exposition and then used as bait. And then that's it. And we're just here to watch warlocks throw airbending stuff at each other. (laughs) So like, I don't care when we get to the final showdown because we do get, it's my only favorite line in the whole movie because it's so bad. How dare you say that's your favorite line? It is cringeworthy. It's so cringeworthy because we get, of course, a monologue from Sebastian Stan just essentially being like, look, I have her. And he gives Caleb the, how about I make you my weotch? Come on. Come on. That is the best cheesiest line we could have had in this whole movie. I feel so bad for these actors having to deliver these lines. First, the Little Miss Muffet tangent, and now we watch. He's the queer in this movie. He's mad because he can't join the team, and he's the only out queer, and he's like, everyone join me, and they don't want her, so he's like, kill him. (laughs) I'm not mad at that. (laughs) Love an angry queen. Caleb arrives, and Chase reveals a floaty spellbound Sarah as bait and states her life or Caleb's. They have a floaty battle throwing air balloons at each other until Caleb finally ascends and still refuses to give his power. The two continue to duel and Caleb is outmatched. Caleb's mother convinces Caleb's dad to transfer his power, uh, giving it to his son the extra boost to take Chase down. This feels like a Michael Bay witch fight. There's just like a lot of explosions. (laughs) People are being thrown places. We also get like weird magic tentacles that like Sebastian Stan uses to like pull Caleb forward. I don't know. I don't. This fight is so odd to me. It just feels like they said, you know what would be cool if it was raining, if we were flying, if they were in suits, like they're in a panic at the disco music video. (laughs) And if they threw air balloons at each other. And that that's how this final scene was written. That is exactly how this final final scene was written. 
period sis <laughs> yeah that was the storyboard for it i <sighs> not only that where were his friends where was the rest of the coven why did nobody come to help him we didn't get like well i know that like pog pogue porg pogue was in the hospital he's in the hospital but like but the other two they could have teleported like what's going on like there's no like this movie's supposed to be like an ensemble piece that's something they kept stretching and i didn't get any of that i didn't give a fuck about any of these other witches characters or anybody else except for caleb because he was fucking hot this movie was about caleb chase and sometimes sarah Sarah was there to just lead the story along. <laughs> it sounds like a, a three-way with like two gay guys who really just wanted to get it on, but they weren't out of the closet, so they had to bring Sarah along. <laughs> we deciphered this movie. That is what this movie is about. Uh, so Chase is taken down. Everything catches on fire. The barn breaks down. He takes her out. And everyone is freed from their spell. Sarah, Kate, Pogue, they're all awake. Sure. The next morning, firefighters arrive on the scene and inform them that they found no body, suggesting that Chase escaped. And then Sarah and Caleb sit in his car as Caleb uses his magic to fix his broken windshield. Sarah seems distraught by it, and they drive off. And that is it. That is where we end. It's a our horrible movie. ending. It's a shitty ending. I was so mad. Yes! It also ends on the shittiest lines, because she asks him, so where do you think he is? And he just literally goes, I don't know. And then we end the movie. (laughs) It feels like they were like, yeah, let's just shoot this ending and we'll write something better and then we'll reshoot it. And then they never got around to it. Yeah. So they're like, oh, I guess we're stuck with this ending. We spent all the money on the oil we used to grease up these fuckers. (laughs) We spent all the money training them how to swim because that doesn't have how to swim before. Okay. This ending is so like unsatisfactory. I'm not happy with this ending. I would have rather them ended Mm-mm. this movie on another swim meet. <laughs> I would have so much rather that. I would if they would have just ended with um, the rest of the coven just like walking in speedos into the sunset. I would have been fine with that. Like a craft shot of mm-hmm. <laughs> going mm-hmm. slow mo. Mm-hmm. I would have loved it because we also got a slow mo hallway walk from Jennifer's body last week, and I forgot to mention it because every good Mean Girls movie has a fucking has slow, a slow motion mo. down the hallway walk. Mm-hmm. And they should have done this in the Speedos. I would have watched way more. So meaty. Well, we should be happy we got this because this was honestly <laughs> a little difficult to watch at times. So your final verdict on this super homo warlock, greasy rock of a movie. I don't know how to describe <laughs> this. I don't know what to <laughs> fuck off. It was nice. you trying. It was you I'm, trying to say something straight. I, <laughs> <laughs> um. So this movie, even with all the homoeroticism and eye candy, I'm gonna be generous here. This is me being generous and give it a two out of five. Why? What are your reasonings? The, the Caleb and Chase, one point each. I said I felt. Now, if you were one to sit there, <laughs> that's <laughs> it. Oh my god! And my second question for you is: This is known as like a queer horror movie. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like it belongs in that hallway of like queer horror? I categorize it in queer horror only because they made this movie for homosexuals. Who did you, you didn't make this movie for straight people? You didn't make this movie for the general audience. You didn't make this movie for women. 
you made this movie for queer men. The fuck does that mean? Whether you think you did or not, (laughs) essentially. I, okay, so my rating is also two out of five. What was the reason? (laughs) (laughs) And the only reasoning being is Caleb and that shower scene. I'm not, I'm a pig. I don't care. I'm not afraid to say it. And I think it does belong within queer horror because it is one of those movies that is, that's how I feel the same way about this movie, the way I feel about a lot of like 1980s action hero movies. They're so like testosterone and like masculine filled that they're so gay. And that's what this movie is. I love this movie for my awakening of like confirming my sexuality. So thank (laughs) you so much for that. But this is not a good movie. It is not. It is an outline of what it wants to be. There is no depth. There is no subtext. It literally just, it's all style and no substance. Style or substance. So Hmm. it's a two out of five. I'm only here for the hotties. I think Stephen Strait (laughs) gave a great performance being brooding all over the place. Mm -hmm. And yes, they're wet and oily, literally 70% of this movie. And that's okay. That's okay. Yes. I'm here for <laughs> That's it. what we came here to see. That's exactly what we came here to see. So we saw the covenant. We saw Jennifer's body. Next week is going to be a very special episode. We will be hosting a pride round table with quite a few special guests. A lot of people that we're very close with our partners and people that we really cherish and who kind of, we think would be a good representation of people that we want to ask questions on for pride. Uh, We're going to be discussing queer representation and pop culture and horror and honestly just having a good time because Pride is meant to be a celebration of who we are and that's what I want that roundtable to be. Yeah, I'm really excited for a roundtable and to have our special guests on. I feel it's important for anybody who has any sort of platform to use it and I want to use our small platform that we do have to highlight some special stories within our community. And I'm really excited to talk about it because I know it's going to be vastly different from our past episodes. We're still going to have fun. We're still going to do our normal stupid bullshit (laughs) on this podcast. But we do want to also highlight, you know, just marginalized group within our community and people who aren't ever really recognized in mainstream pop culture. Uh, So if you'd like to keep up with us, please follow us on our Instagram at The Carpenter Queens. Our Twitter account is at Carpenter Queens. Please rate, subscribe, comment wherever you are streaming our podcast. My personal account is Nicholas Alexander Photography. And my personal account is at STFU Ray. And that is it for this week's episode, guys. We hope you enjoyed and we hope to see you next week for our Pride Month roundtable. Happy Pride, queerdos. Happy Pride Month, y'all. Catch you on the flip side. Bye, 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 bye. bye, bye, bye.